I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers on the new marijuana moguls. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're taking a look at the new businesses and jobs being created and the money being made as the legalization of marijuana continues to sweep across the United States. Marijuana was once considered an illegal drug that led to the incarceration of millions of Americans, many in communities of color. But now it's big business and local governments are looking at at it as a way to pump up their tax revenues and cash in. So what are the risks and the rewards and what's really going on? Let's find out what our panel has to say. Joining me is Brad Rogers. He's a CEO of Red, White and Bloom. It is a multi-billion dollar business, one of the largest um, cultiv of cultivation facilities and dispensaries in the United States. Brad, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also joining us, Noah and Marlena Fishman. They are the owners of the Vermont-based wellness brand Zen Barn Farms, and they're doing it with a social justice angle as well. We're going to find out all about that. Noah, Marlena, great to have you with us. Thank you. Okay. Also joining us, AJ Harrington. He's a journalist who's covered cannabis and hemp news and written more than 1,000 articles for a variety of publications from High Times to Forbes. Basically, he knows everything about this topic from A to Z and beyond. AJ, great to have you with us. Thanks. I don't know about that, but um, I'll, I'll try to help. Where I know, I can. I know you'll do, I know you'll do great. I read some of your, some of your stories. Um, AJ, let me start with you on this, because there's such a dramatic difference now between what's happening in certain states like New York versus what's happening in California and in other places where legalization has already um, already begun and is in various stages. Give us an overview of where things are at right now with with marijuana. Well, that's a really interesting subject because it's happening on, on so many levels. Um, we're, we're hearing um, talks of uh, bills in, in Congress at the national level. We have states like New York working on, on legalization. We have other states like New Jersey that have just legalized and now are trying to navigate um, exactly what that means. And then we have states like California, where I am, that have had um, recreational mar marijuana legalized for a few years now, and some states even longer. So there's always um, something going on at the different levels. And then even at the local level in California, one of the biggest issues um, with legalization is that uh, local governments have the option of opting out of um, licensing commercial marijuana businesses. And that's and a lot of the jurisdictions in California have done that. So that's led to um, uh, marijuana deserts in, in some parts of the state where there aren't any legal options. And this really um, helps prop up the illicit market, um, which is one of the goals of legalization is, okay, is unregulated uh, cannabis. And I want to, you're talking about marijuana deserts, like we talk about food deserts, healthcare deserts, that type of thing. I want to get into that a little bit, a little bit more. But um, first, Marlena, give us an idea of Zen Barn Farms, because you guys are really taking a holistic approach uh, to your business. It's a family business, which is a really cool thing. Tell us about what, what is the driving force behind you guys? That's a great question. Uh, the driving force behind Zen Barn Farms is really community. When Noah and I met in DC, we lived in a group house together. And after having our first son, um, we moved to Vermont and started our first garden on our property with the community. And then from there, we had different um, uh, farmers come in on our property and help teach us how to grow. 
And then from that point, it developed into us deciding once we opened our restaurant, Zen Barn, let's explore CBD once it became legal. And we also had our wellness studio. So it became naturally incorporated into our food, into our wellness practices, and through all that, just really involving community in each, um, in each aspect of it. And doing so much. So no, so you guys came from the nation's capital up to the farms of Vermont. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it was it was uh, I grew up in Vermont and I'm we're now back on on my family's land where I grew up. Um, but as soon as I was uh, 17, I was off exploring the world. I ended up in a career in international development, working very much to go try and solve um, global problems, local community problems, and really came back to Vermont because I realized that I could make a much bigger impact here working in my own community and really trying to create a model, a sustainable model for, for, um, you know, business where business and my passions for social justice and community development really, really neat. All right. And we look forward to hearing a lot more about that coming up. Um, Brad, in terms of, in terms of marijuana or what we should properly call, I guess, the cannabis industry, the, um, there's been a tremendous amount of stigma in the business community too. A lot of people were looking at it. Well, this is the this is the current version of penny stocks, or this is the current version of whatever. Tell us about your journey. How did you become such a big, uh, multi-billion-dollar business player in this in this arena? So our our cap right now isn't multi-billion dollars, but we're I have had uh, companies that have grown to multi-billion dollars. Um, this is our entry into the states. Uh, we're relatively new to the space, so it's we're only two years in. Some of our other peers are about five plus six years in to the legalization piece of it, where it was medical uh, through a few states. And so uh, we are we are growing like a like a weed. Uh, and uh, and uh, we uh, started in Michigan, and we started RWB Red White and Bloom as a house of brands. And so um, you know when you look at how that all became uh, relevant to where the stigma is. It started me, me. It started in Canada. So I was one of the first licenses in Canada under a federally regulated system, and it typically starts in a medical world. And so when you start medically, and it sort of legitimizes the the the, the substance prior to it becoming rec. And so um, you know when when you get the benefits of medicinal first into a market, that really takes away the stigma. It allows for another option of pain relief, analgesic, and all the other good things that cannabis is now prescribed for by doctors. And so once that becomes a, a legitimate uh, medical option, uh, if you will, um, I think, you know, a bit of a mind escape becomes another play that you're able to do without it being actually for an indication per se. So when you look at the mind escape market, um, you know, alcohol has had a lock on that for 100 years and that was taboo. And so this is, I think, right now, as we're seeing it, the end of prohibition. I mean, this is the end of prohibition for cannabis right now. So when you when you look at Jack Daniels 100 years ago, what did that look like? Well, here he is. Right. So, you know, I, th I think that's that's kind of how we're playing this out. And we're, we're what we'll see in the very near future, I think, in the next five or 10 years are brands that are really going to establish themselves, such as High Times, who is uh, who is uh, we licensed in High Times, as a matter of fact. And so uh, we're representing them in the market. 
and these iconic brands are going to come out of this space uh, in, in, in the next five or 10 years. And so that's also going to destigmatize. And once it gets normalized, you'll see this, uh, this become a real good business. And when you think about it, oh, sorry, I, I, I'm, I'm jumping in, but um, this came from the basement. It was a clandestine and everyone called it, you know, stepping stone and all these things. Well, you know what, if you put it into a legalized format where people can go and patronize the store, you know, it's not in Bobby's basement where he's got all the other crap. And he has to worry about a raid from the local, from the local police yeah, exactly, or, or whatever. Right? We're going to talk yeah. about, we're going to get into the development more and also want to get into bust through some of these misconceptions and also talk yeah. about a lot of the benefits and the many different ways that cannabis and the derivatives are being used to help heal people as well and improve their lives. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Salute. This is General Steele from Smith & Wesson. And right now you're listening to Street Soldiers with your girl, Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about marijuana, specifically with marijuana moguls and a journalist who has been covering this topic for years, written over a thousand articles, finding out what's really going on with the industry, what's going on with the legalization, and also what it means for you. Joining me for this conversation is AJ Harrington. He's a journalist who's covered cannabis and hemp news and written more than a thousand articles for a range of publications from High Times to Forbes, so many other places. AJ, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also with us, Noah and Marlena Fishman. They are the owners of the Vermont-based wellness brand, Zen Barn Farms. Noah and Marlena, great to have you with us. Great, great to be here. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Brad Rogers. He's the CEO of Red, White and Bloom. It is a basically a house of brands, right? I think that's what, he, what he's calling that's it, right. a house of brands with cultivation facilities and dispensaries all across the United States. Brad, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, AJ, in terms of the misconceptions, marijuana has been demonized. There were even, you know, people refer to some of the videos from years ago talking about what's going to happen to you if you use it. How far have we come as a society in terms of understanding it? Because this is something that a change that I think has really happened, you know, really from the grassroots, from the streets. I, I think we're, we're getting, um, we're, progress has been made as far as destigmatizing cannabis but there's still a long way to go. Um, one of the, one of the um, ways that people try to remove the stigma from marijuana is by calling it cannabis. Um, you'll, you'll hear a lot of activists especially um, insist that, that you use the word cannabis instead of marijuana. Um, and that is, that's trying to separate it from those, um, those stereotypes of, you know, stoners and, and, and lazy people, because I, um, especially when, when you cover this industry, um, there are people that work just as hard as, as any other sector. And so I think that's another way that, that people um, can, can destigmatize cannabis when people like Brad and, um, the people, Marlena and um, Noel, yeah. Noel, is that right? From yeah. Zen Bar Farms coming and, and, and letting people know that um, the cannabis community is, is just like any other community in America. Um, it's diverse and, um, you know, it's here to stay. It's so, uh, I think people that still have the fears about cannabis um, should probably talk to an activist and, and find out um, and, see what's, and really see, and really see what's really see what's going on. I mean, I was in LA last year before the right before the pandemic, and it was like, 
just seeing how how it's handled there compared to New York, I was like, going, wait a minute, did I just step through one of those uh, time capsules or something? Yeah. But but um, Marlena, in terms of in terms of ex explain to us because you you at Zenbarn Farms, you and your husband have a variety and family have a whole variety of products. Is can you just explain for us like the difference between CBD, hemp, marijuana? What are we really talking about here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way I like to talk about it, it's you know, kind of simple. I mean, cannabis plant has hundreds of different cannabinoids in this wonderful plant and farmers have been working to create, to, you know, solicit different different parts of those cannabinoids in different plants and create strains that are really strong with THC or CBD or other, other things. And so we have ability to create different products for different purposes. Um, and then, you know, there's a layer of legalization and, and sort of the rollout of that and CBD um, a handful of years ago became legal. So there was a lot of opportunity to create CBD products, which I think a lot of people were very new to. And um, we found over the last few years of being in that business of primarily CBD dominant um, plants that people love it because it's, it gives you a lot of the benefits of cannabis or marijuana, but without that um, heavy psychoactive effect, the, the thing that like the, the high effect. So right. kind of like a lot of the medicine without the high and CBD can be really healing for anxiety, sleep issues, um, can be helpful with pain relief and many, many things. We've had people come in using CBD for like a really, really wide variety of issues and it's something you can take every day. There's no known side effects. Um, and it doesn't have, it ha you know, I, I, I often say it has like a slight euphoric effect, but it doesn't get you high generally, you know, right. it has a very, and right. CBD hemp is defined um, nationally um, as having a certain level or less of THC. Um, so it's based on the 0.3% or less um, THC level. So that's how we define hemp versus cannabis. So, so people are looking, so people are looking for something like, oh, they have, you know, co computer neck from doing everything virtually 12 hours a day or whatever, that, like a lotion that has CBD in it, they can put on, but it's not going to get them. It's not going to give them any kind of a lift or a boost or anything like that. Exactly. We have customers coming in for anything from, I mean, very chronic issues. I have cancer patients that are coming in and they want an alternative to some of the drugs that their healthcare provider is, is encouraging them to use. And there, I have people coming in for, from like chronic injuries they've had for years and never found a solution for and are using CBD to deal with that pain. There are people, I have a good friend of mine that was hooked on fentanyl and other opioids and got off those drugs using CBD. And, and that's another thing. And, and also to Marlena, there have been, there've been celebrities, uh, singers, there've been other celebrities that female celebrities that say, this is, this is great for all the things we go through as women with our bodies. Right. And that's kind of the beauty of CBD and the cannabinoids. Like we all have cannabinoids in our body and the CBD or the cannabinoids respond to the different needs that everyone, every individual has. So you can do CBN, which helps some people for sleep or CBG that helps target different joints. And you, you'll hear some people say, oh, I've taken CBD and it's worked for like all the things that I needed to help heal or cure. And then there's other people that might say I've taken it and it hasn't done anything. And that just comes down to the quality because it really speaks to the unique um, cannabinoids in everyone's body.
And we're, and we're going to talk, we're going to talk about that. Like what's, what's really in it, Brad, how do you, how do you do that in terms of educating the consumers to your, to the products that you're making? And also, you know, so people have some kind of confidence that they know what they're getting and well, the packaging think, and the yeah, branding and, and all that. that. And that's bang on. It's a great question because, you know, if, if you standardize it and you put it into a file format, it, it's the same thing every single time you get consistency, right? And so that's part and parcel of where you can get, you know, the reliance on doctors even are now looking for consistency and product to be able to prescribe it. But once you get to a, a pharmaceutical standard or a food standard, at least where you can have consistency, it's, you know, I align it. I, I, the analogy I use is like walking into your liquor store and wondering what the alcohol content of your spirit right. will be today. Is it and 150 proof or is No, you don't, you don't want that. And, and nor will we, you know, so once it becomes normal, and standardized, people will get the response they're looking for every single time and be consistent with it. You hear of all these horror stories of, oh, I got the green flu and all these other things when they take too many edibles or smoke too much, etc. Um, that will be going away at some point or another. You can actually dose and titrate and gauge efficacy in a medical format. But then again, if you're doing it for rec, you know you're going to have two halls of your joint if, you're, if that's what it is, and you're not going to be locked in your couch for three days. Um, or, you know, on the other side of it, you're not feeling anything and you got ripped off. So you're, you're going to get consistency. And that's the whole point of it, both medical and on the rec side of it. And when you look at, uh, you know, how it gets destigmatized through education, et cetera, this is, you know, to a degree, this is a brand new world. It's like, how, how much do I drink way back when? Is that's the analogy. Right. Um, and so when you look at soccer moms with their, with their, uh, what is what I call them, the soccer moms with their edibles, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I took half a gummy and it was really good. Or I took too much. It was like, you know, th and this is, this is the way you're, you're, you're coming out with new file formats now. And we have, we have a two milligram, uh, gummy now. So you'd like micro dosing for, you know, people who like just, uh, have a little bit during the day, et cetera. So, uh, and the little joints, the little tiny little, uh, joints, pre-rolls are called dog walkers. So when you go out and walk the dog, you, you're not smoking a big, huge fatty. <laughs> and it's just, a, it's a little one. This is so, like the you know, pandemic garage yeah, parties for the parents. But getting, yeah, like but you know, the file formats are getting bougie and kind of hip <laughs> and cool, you know, and it, it's, it's fun. The American right? and, marketing genius at work. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's what we're doing. Right, right. We're, we're changing the conversation, changing the game a little bit, and making the file formats accessible. So you're not out smoking a big fatty and sticking up the joint. Uh, you can have a pen, very discreet, or you can have a gummy. Right with the vaping. Right. So many, so many options now, and it's great. All right, we're gonna take we're gonna take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host Lisa Evers. More with our marijuana moguls right after this. Yeah, yeah. What up? What up? What up? This is Styles Peter Ghost, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues. Real politics and real people only on Hot 97. Yeah, Ghost told you so. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about marijuana moguls. We're talking about the new movement to legalize marijuana, the business opportunities, the cultural impact, some of the stereotypes as well. Joining me for this conversation, AJ Harrington. He's a journalist who's covered cannabis and hemp news and written more than 1,000 articles for all kinds of publications, ranging from High Times to Forbes. AJ, great to have you with us. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for being with us. Also joining us, Noah and Marlena Fishman. Um, they're owners of the Vermont-based wellness brand, Zen Barn Farms, and doing a lot in their local community as well. Noah and Marlena, great to have you with us. Great to be here. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Brad Rogers. He's the CEO of Red, White, and Blue. Um, they're basically a house of brands, including the largest cultivation facilities and dispensaries 
in the United States. Brad, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. AJ, part of the, the marijuana discussion has been that, you know, there've been over 8 million, just in the first decade of this century, over 8 million arrests for marijuana in the first 10 years, the first decade. And many of them were people of color. And there's a, there's a whole push right now to build some kind of equity into this, the access into this new market. Tell us about that. Yeah, a lot of the legalization efforts um, are these days hinging on, on social equity. Um, the reason that, or one of the reasons that New Jersey had a, such a hard time putting together a package uh, af to implement the, the voters' decision in November that legalized recreational marijuana, one of the, the, the issues was how to make sure that the communities that have borne the brunt of the war on drugs how do they have a, a, a way into the legal market that they are also able to part, participate in, in the business that opportunities that are happening today. And um, there's, there's going to be plenty of room for, um, you know, companies like Brad's um, that, that can have a, a brand presence, you know, from coast to coast. But I think there also needs to be um, a path for small operators like Zen Barn Farms um, that, that can be the local moguls um, for, for cannabis in, in their communities and, and, and provide good products, craft products to the people that want them. And Noah, and how important is the social justice concept you know, and, and piece of it to, to what you and Marlena and your family are doing? Um, it's everything to what we're doing. And I think it's everything to this industry and what this industry could be. I don't think if this industry turns out like every other industry in the country and, and does business as usual, I think it's a huge failure and we're going to fall way short of what this could be. I think a lot of people who are in part of this culture who have worked to legalize marijuana, cannabis, who have, are also looking to create real change in this country, real uh, justice, real um, rebuilding of communities, um, sustainable farming. It really starts with soil. It starts with our local communities and goes from there. Um, I 100% agree that there's room for everybody, but we, if we let um, this turn into just another industry, business as usual, I think we've really, really done this an injustice to this Everything we do is about trying to figure out who are the partners we're going to work with that can help us advance our sustainability and social justice work and to try to do something different where we can employ people that are getting good wages to have paths toward ownership of this, not just working for companies like ours or others um, in creating ways that we can not just say, all right, well, we're going to try to hire people of color in the business, we want to get people trained up and ready to think about how they can really be leaders and the people that can take this on into the next generation as well. Brad, in terms of the, in terms of the navigate, like give us an idea of how the dispensaries work and how do you deal with all these different state regulations and different legalities? It's legal someplace, not legal other yeah. places. How do you how do you deal with that? It sounds like a big mess to me. It, it is. It is regulatorily. It's a big mess. I, I came from the Canadian system where it was federally regulated, and, and it was it was one system that across it was across the board. Every state now is its own garden wall, meaning that you it's got its own regulatory uh, re format, 
And unfortunately, you have to navigate that world within it and, and, and work within their rules. Uh, some are only medical. Uh, some are half medical, half rec, depends on the county, depends on the town. Um, you know, and, and you really have to manage your business appropriately, which is a bit of a mess right now, unfortunately. However, um, you know, again, th this is this is at the, the ground zero to be able to, you know, create these new networks, these new these new streams, because, you know, when you when you look at what the opportunity here is, is that great. You know, we, we have each state is its own uh Regulatory Entity, framework, right. which is crazy. But once you get to a, a certain format that is pre pretty ubiquitous across the states that are functioning well, um, then you're going to see that roll out. I think once federal, once it becomes federally legal, which is ridiculous that it's on the same schedule as crack and meth right now, and you can't die from it. So um, it's just it, it's it's going to take a while to normalize. And I think that's all we're seeing right now is a process. It's a very long, it's going to be a long process, but I think, you know, it's, it's, it's happening right now. We're seeing it. This is the end of prohibition right now. Then AJ, do you think with the new administration that there will be a, a renewed push to try to do something to make things uniform federally or around the country? Um, frankly, no, I, I, I don't think really? it's, it's okay. going to, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a priority of, of the Biden administration. Um, Kamala Harris, um, when she was a presidential candidate, was um, was more um, of, of a proponent for for legalization at the federal level. Um, Joe Biden definitely is not. He's he does not um, want to legalize recreational marijuana. Um, he's indicated that um, he'll he'll let the states um, make the decision and and do what they want. But I, I, I don't see um, too much action on cannabis um, coming out of the federal government, um, at least in the, in the first two years of the Biden administration. Um, the Democrats are trying. They're, they're putting bills forward. Um, but even if they can get passed in, in both houses, um, it's going to have to be a fairly um, moderate bill for um uh, any, President any, Biden decided, I believe. And any change. All right, this is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. Yo, what up? This your homie Ace Hood, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real poly tricks, and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about the marijuana movement, the legalization movement, the business side of it with marijuana moguls and a top journalist. Joining me for this conversation, AJ Harrington. He's a journalist who's covered cannabis and hemp news and written more than 1,000 articles for all kinds of publications from High Times to Forbes. AJ, great to have you with us. Thanks. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. Also joining us, Noah and Marlena, Marlena Fishman. They're the owners of the Vermont-based wellness brand Zen Barn Farms. They're also active in social justice causes in their local community. Noah and Marlena, great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Brad Rogers. He's the CEO of Red, White and Bloom. They are a umbrella, basically a big house of brands. One of the largest, uh, largest of collection of cultivation facilities and dispensaries in the United States. Brad, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Brad, I want to start with you in terms of people who want to invest. What do you recommend? You know, somebody says, oh, you know what? I got a tax refund. I got a couple thousand dollars. Where would you recommend that they start? 
Well, I think you've got to do your homework, right? I'm not going <clears> to <throat> advocate getting into uh, cannabis because cannabis is, is, is just like any other stock. There's great companies and there's bad companies. And you have to do your own research. But I think what you're going to look for are... Areas, in terms of areas. Areas, yeah. So I, th I think you're going to look for the big players that have, uh, that have a solid footprint in, in these said states that are doing good business. Uh, it's a very high margin business right now. So you're going to see a lot of growth. What, so does, that if mean, what been, does that mean when you say high, high margin? High margin means there's profitability in it oh, okay. because you can grow it for <laughs> yeah, a lot of money in it. Okay. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of companies making a lot of money right now to be able to actually grow that. It's going to commoditize though. This is just a plant, but it's going to commoditize. But I think as, a, as an investment uh, perspective, you want to look at the company. You want to look at uh, at the management team. You want to look at good, strong fundamentals that they're providing. And if if it's just a if it's a if it's a pump and dump, which uh, we've seen lots of, there's been a whole pile of money burned in the business for 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 a long time now. I think what's happening in the United States, and the best part about the United States, is that you have to be fundamentally driven now, meaning that you have to prov you have to sh show the world that you're actually a profitable, good functioning business. Um, and that's the best part about it, because these other you know emerging economy uh, uh, countries are all you know, speculative. Um, this is now empirical. You get to actually throw, here's my profit. Here's my, here's my top line. Uh, and so when you're looking at investments, I urge everybody to go look at, you know, what the company is doing, what the perspective of the company looks like. Uh, if it's more of a blue chip, if it's, uh, if it's a speculative, um, look at the technology, look at who's, who's, uh, who's involved. And uh, I think you'll, you'll find, you'll find uh, winners everywhere. I think there's so much upside here. Um, it's, it's just, it's just a huge burgeoning industry. That's going to have a lot of, it sounds, it sounds like it. AJ, when you look at the whole, the whole range of companies, are there certain areas in this whole cannabis marketplace that, that you see are things that are showing more promise than others? Well, I, I'd be hesitant to, to give investment advice, but well, I'm not asking um, you yeah. as a journalist looking yeah. at the, you know, um, well, like, like Brad said, um, the, the big companies are definitely, um, out there and you know you have a proven track record but i also think there's a lot of opportunity in in some of the smaller um players in you know in, in the smaller state or um even metropolitan markets where um a lot of people are talking about 2021 is going to be the year of mergers and acquisitions in in the cannabis sector and so um i mean if if you're in on the ground floor on a small company that has um strong financials and a strong business plan and you know a good product or service what, whatever it is um you know there's a good chance that um that a larger company is going to come knocking on the door um, and that can be, um, you oh. know, an opportunity as well. Um, so I think there's, like Brad said, there's opportunity all up and down um, the market at, at different levels. But like he said, you have to do your research and make sure that the people that um, you're, you're willing to put your money behind are, you know, in it for the long haul and, and know what they're doing. There's a lot of people um, that just got into cannabis. And there's a lot of people that have been doing it in um, legal medical markets for 20 years. So um, you have to you have to know who you're working with. And definitely do, do your homework is always a good advice. Do you, Brad, do you think people, you know, because there's, there's so much of a move towards health now too and natural. Is that is that natural aspect? Is that part of the, the cell and the popularity? 
Oh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, when you're, when you look at taking, uh, you know, a pharmaceutical for your pain and, or, you know, you're taking, um, you know, a tincture, uh, that's going to relieve your pain that, uh, is, has no collateral damage on your body. It's not going to have the collateral. list of side effects. Like, yeah, it's like, side yeah effects. The, the guy at the end of the commercials, you know, like speaking <laughs> a million miles an hour over the guy jogging, um, that that's not there, you know, you don't have that. And so when you look at, um, you know, alternatives for the pain for uh, as, as anti-inflammatory, uh, Dravet's epilepsy, all these indications, PTSD, as a matter of fact, a lot of veterans are on it. Um, you know, it, it, it's just now, so I, th I think we're, we're, we're there with respect to how uh, this thing is going to be an alternative for a lot of indications. And again, the mind escape, a very good alternative to alcohol. When you look at it uh, as, as an escape, you're not waking up with a hangover. You're not waking up not knowing what you did last night. Uh, you typically fall asleep with a Doritos bag in your, in your lap. And, and that's the amount of harm you're going to do. Um, you know, and, th and that's, you know, that's, it's, it's stigmatized to a degree that way, but it's true. Um, you know, the, 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 the potential for addiction is far less than alcohol and or most of the other drugs out there as well, which is a concern for a lot of parents and a lot of people. Um, you know, so there's, there's just, there's just so many pieces to this to be able to actually educate. And I think that's going to be the key to it. The, the shows like this and what you're doing right now is I think is fantastic uh, for the general population to take the veil away, destigmatize this thing and say, okay, you know what, this isn't reefer madness. This isn't as harmful as it is. And it could be good for me in many respects right. or a great alternative. So I think that's very promising, incredibly exciting. Artisans all the way up to mass producers. Um, you know, you're going to find different uh, levels of quality is for sure. Um, but what you think about it, you know, you, you look at the hothouse tomato producers, uh, you know, you can produce a great phenomenal tomato or you can get, uh, you know, the, the, it's like wine to, to, a, to, to a degree as well. You know, you've got great wines for $400 a bottle and you've got, uh, you know, your, your shelves at uh, $10 all the way up to a hundred. And they'll so be like that. They'll be like gourmet, gourmet cannabis. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, across really? okay. all the verticals of cannabis. Like, like the French the wine. It's gonna okay. It's going to be right. like the wine industry from, from my perspective, when you look at it, you know, in a simplistic form. And, and AJ, just to follow up on that, in terms of the, the there's been a lot of doomsday scenarios. You, you've had it legal in California for, for a long time about an increase in car accidents, an increase in people not showing up for work, um, different types of, you know, doomsday scenarios. A lot with the car accidents was uh, many law enforcement members concerned. What, what's been the experience in California just overall briefly? Um, in, well, in California, I don't believe we've had um, an increase in, in car accidents, um, although I'm, I'm not sure of the data. So um, it's, but I do know that it has been mixed. In some states that have legalized um, recreational marijuana, um, they have seen an, uh, in, in increase in car accidents. Um, but there, there's also the, um, the difference between um, the increase in, in car accidents and the increase in fatal accidents. And in some states that has gone down. So um, the, the data is, is mixed on, on, on the effect on, on traffic, traffic collisions, I think. Um, there was a recent study um, about uh, work that um, that showed that people that use cannabis after work um, are are no uh, more prob problematic than their peers who don't use cannabis. Um, so I think that is um, an, an issue that 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 we can pretty much dispense of 
Uh, obviously, if people are um, using cannabis at work or, or right before they go into work, um, that's a situation that most employers aren't going to um, to be happy with. And, um, you know, that can cause problems. But um, it, it's also, um, you know, an issue of freedom. People can people can drink before they go to work. Right. And, and, and no one's saying that we, we know what that's what's to, to that. re-prohibit alcohol. So I think a personal responsibility is is a and and civil liberties is is a big a big part of the equation where um the, the vast majority of cannabis users are are responsible people who um you know enjoy their cannabis at home and you know the next day they, they go to work and they do their job and get done what they need to get done. So um I think um that is is one um, element of the stigma that also that we can we can pretty much discard that um, you know people that are, are using cannabis after work are not going to be going they're in not going to show up to work you know you know yeah. and they're not going to be hung over either like Brad right. <laughs> like Brad mentioned you know they're not still going to be stoned and they're not going to be hung over right so um, there's you know there's a good chance that they'll they'll be more productive than the friend the, than their coworker that was at the same party but drank the whole night. Exactly. Well, if, if I could just jump in really quickly and just yeah. touch on that really quickly. Yes. Uh, the, the problem with the police right now is quantifying what inebriation is. How high are you? How do you judge who's high? We have a 0.8 uh, level when you're inebriated for uh, right. uh, operation right. of a motor vehicle. You can't quantify right now what you're high, like what, what quantifies high. That's the police issue. For me, though, on the employment side, I employ thousands of people and um, we advocate for the use of cannabis at work if you're medically prescribed. Zero issue with that. Uh, as long as you're doing it in a safe manner, you're not have, uh, operating heavy machinery, et cetera. If it helps you get to work, and we've seen actually a reduction of absenteeism, believe it or not. That's so exactly. it's keeping people at work uh, in, in my, from, my, from my experience and perspective. Improving and, 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 I know. Yep. Okay. And um, Marlena, no, I want to give you the final word here, a visionary how, what do you think can be the benefits of society from all of this? Mm. <laughs> I'm an optimist. I'm sorry. I had to ask that question. Right. That's a, that's a, that's a big one. Sustainability, think, like this, maybe just the, the, the sustainability part of it. Yeah. From a small scale, definitely the sustainability of bringing youth and people uh, back to the land and also finding alternative healing um, practices or medicines, if you will. And just the whole community aspect that's around uh, cannabis use. If you think about it, the whole cipher, if you will. Right. Uh, with cannabis, it, it can bring people back together in, in a way that can be loving and um, just build on a community in a healing, in a healing sustainable way. Exactly, no final word? Um. I just think that this industry has potential to do something this country's never seen before. It can, it can push us to do business differently. It can push us to transform our economy and transform our healthcare system. People come in and use cannabis recreationally, but for a lot of serious, serious health issues. I, I was, I've been blown away by the types of people that are coming in to use cannabis as a primary uh, method of achieving their own you know, health, mental health and physical health. And I think the pharmaceutical industry has for a large part failed on many, many fronts. And um, this can be a very revolutionary industry if we do this right, achieving social justice, 
personal health outcomes and um, sustainable farming as well as part of that. So all, all these things. Well, I want to thank all of you for being with us for this fascinating episode of Street Soldiers. Brad, uh, Brad Rogers, great to have you with us. Noah Marlena Fishman, thank you very much for being with us. And AJ Harrington, thank you so much for being with us. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.